2 Timothy 4, 9, our last message in 2 Timothy. Next week we start the book of Titus. Real quick too, a couple things before we get into our study tonight. For those of you that haven't seen already, Carol's back. And one is here, and I think, Barb, is this your last Wednesday? Is this your last Wednesday with us? Yes. Okay. So Barb's leaving and Carol's coming. So make sure you say goodbye to Barb and hello to Carol. So, yeah, we wish we could keep Barb a little bit longer. But, you know, as we were singing, I exalt thee, I couldn't help but think about what John the Baptist said, and it, and it really struck home with me, and it's something I think God wants me to think more about, when John said, he must increase and I must decrease. And I think we need to sometimes, even as followers of Christ, think through, Jesus, how can I, how can I increase you in my life? How can I exalt you in my life? And how can I decrease me? Because a lot of times, even as Christians, we can be pretty self-focused and and self-centered and it's all about us. And I love what John said. And obviously that was under the control of the Holy Spirit, but it's truth. And God just really spoke to me when we were singing, I exalt thee. And it was just like, Jeff, are you going to put that into practice? Are you going to exalt me more and increase me more in your life and decrease yourself? So I just encourage you in that way too. What ways can we increase Jesus in our life and decrease ourselves? Well, this is the last words of Paul to this young man, Timothy. And it's really the last words that we have recorded of Paul in the New Testament. The last things that he said. And we talked last week about how to finish well. And I want to sort of continue along that theme because Paul is definitely crossing the finish line of life. He said, I fought the fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith. And as he is crossing the finish line of life, I want to share with you five things that I see in Paul's life as he crosses the finish line. And these are five things that I think obviously need to be present in our lives. Not just when we're getting ready to cross the finish line, but even right now. I'm going to give them to you up front and then we're going to talk about each one of them just a little bit. Realistic expecting is the first one. Realistic expecting. The second one is constant learning. Constant learning. The third one is Jesus leaning The fourth is people appreciating. And the final one is grace depending. Of course, we sung about that tonight too. I need you. I need you every hour. I need you. Now, before we even get into that, you know, sometimes when we talk about Bible characters, Old or New Testament, sometimes we forget they're just like us. They're human. They had the same hang-ups, the same needs, the same wants, the same desires, everything that we did. And Paul is no different. And one of the things that you see here, in fact, I'll, I'll share two of them. There's more in this passage, but that's not what I wanted this to be about tonight. 
is you'll notice here, even at the end of his life, the great Apostle Paul, all that he had been through, all that he experienced, all that he was for Jesus Christ, and yet he still was longing for human companionship. He still wanted people to be around. Notice he says in verse 9, Make every effort, Timothy, to come to me soon. I'm longing for some human companionship. Only Luke, verse 11, is with me. I want some friends around me. And then the second thing that we see is, let's remember when Paul was writing this, he was writing this from a dark, dank, depressing prison cell. Cold and dark. And so notice when he says to Timothy in verse 13, when you come, bring with you the cloak. (laughs) I'm cold. I want a coat. Normal person, right? He wasn't some superhuman, you know, person. He had the same needs that we do. He was cold in that prison. He wanted some covering. He was lonely. He wanted some companionship. And I say that just because I want to remind all of us, we're all human. We all, again, need and desire the same things. Well, with that in mind, speaking about relationships... I want to talk to you for just a few moments about realistic expecting. And what I mean by that is expecting realistic, realistically what I will face in life. I think sometimes as Christians, we get a very unrealistic or unbiblical view of how life should go. And then when life doesn't go that way, We either get disillusioned with God, or we get mad at God, or we get upset, or we get discouraged, and all these things. And Paul is reminding us, we've got to face life with some realism. And part of that is what he faced here in verse 9. Make every effort to come to me, because Demas deserted me, since he loved the present age. You'll also notice in a good way, we'll come back to Demas in just a moment, that he says, hey, Cretans went to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and then down in verse 12, Tychicus went to Ephesus. In other words, I can't be upset with these guys. They're working for the Lord, but God's called them to different places. But that means only Luke is with me. But part of that realism is realizing that Sometimes in life, people are going to walk out of our life. Sometimes they're going to desert us. Sometimes they're going to abandon us. And notice, Paul took it personally. He didn't say, Demas deserted the Lord, even though he did. He said, Demas deserted me. Paul took it personal. I used to feel bad as a pastor. When I would build relationships with people in church or whatever, or other fellow Christians, and then they would leave the church or they would walk out of our lives and they would go, and, and I'd feel bad about feeling bad about it. And then God took me to this passage and said, don't feel bad about it. Because we were meant to have relationships with each other, and it hurts when people walk out of our lives. It hurts when people go off and desert and abandon us and go another direction. It hurts. And Paul realistically was dealing with that even at the very end of his life. He felt that desertion. And so he brings that 
up at this point. And then, he not only faced desertion, verse 14 tells us he faced opposition. Notice he tells Timothy, Alexander, this coppersmith, did me a great deal of harm. Now he says, the Lord will repay him. I'm not interested in vengeance or getting back. He's in the Lord's hands. The Lord will deal with him. And that's something you and I have to keep in mind, is when we face opposition, if we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, they're opposing God, not us. And God is sovereign, and God will take care of them. But he does go on to say, you be on guard, verse 15, against him too, because he vehemently opposed our words. Notice primarily the opposition here was against Paul's teaching ministry. Paul was a teacher of the word of God, and Paul is saying, Alexander, who used to be on board with us, who used to be supportive of my teaching ministry, now is vehemently opposing me. That's realistic expecting. You and I need to expect there's going to be people who walk out of our lives, abandon and desert us. People are going to come and go. I mean, even in the life of this church. I mean, many of you have come here and you've stuck. But there have been so many more people who've come in and out. That's just the way it is. And if we don't expect those kind of things, then again, we can get pretty upside down. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's when it happens. And the same thing is true with opposition. If you and I are doing the work of the Lord, we can expect opposition, obstacles, resistance. We talked about that Sunday. It's going to happen. It happened to the Lord Jesus. It's going to happen to us. And when so opposition or resistance or obstacles or anything comes, we shouldn't be surprised by it. In fact, if we're doing the work of the Lord, we should actually expect it and anticipate it. Because the enemy is not going to sit back and just let us roll. We're going to come up against some walls. We're even doing that now. It, it's I'm at a point in, in, in my life with the Lord and as a pastor and stuff where it, it, it doesn't upset me. It almost just builds more and more resolve. But we're sort of going through a season like that right now in our church. You know, so many great things are happening and God is moving in such a, an unusual way in, in, our, in our midst. And, and there's so many lives that God is, is touching right now. And new people are coming and all this. And we're getting ready to, you know, break ground and build a building. And yet, in some of our ministries... Some of our ministry heads and and some of the people, you know, faithfully work. I mean, they're going through it. And God is pulling out workers and and all of that. And we're having to discover sort of how deep our bench is and if we even have a bench. And, And God is cutting us down to the bare bones in some places. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sometimes... God has reasons for it. Other times, it's the work of those opposed to what God is doing. But we should expect opposition. But it's not all negative stuff. I want you to notice this. Notice in verse 11 when he says, only Luke is with me. Then he says, get Mark. And here we we don't have desertion. We don't have opposition. We have reconciliation. Because he says, bring him with you because he is a great help to me in ministry. Yeah, this is the same John Mark that Paul and Barnabas 
fought over in the book of Acts. And remember, Barnabas wanted to take him even though he had cut out on their first missionary journey and now they were getting ready to go on their second missionary journey. And Barnabas says, we're going to take John Mark, right? And Paul says, no way. He abandoned us on our first missionary journey. I'm not taking him. And the Bible says that their, their disagreement was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they split. And Paul took Silas and Barnabas went with someone else and they parted ways. Now, years later, at the end of Paul's life, there had to somewhere along the line be this precious coming together of Paul and Mark. We don't know who sought who out first. We don't know how that all happened, but I know the end result that at one time, these two Christians weren't on the same page and didn't have a relationship with each other and weren't close. And now they were close. In fact, so close that Paul says, I would love for Mark to be here. I would love to see him again. I would love it because he's such a great help in the ministry. Wow, what a, di- what a change. And it reminds us that God is also a God of reconciliation. And sometimes those relationships that, that are on the rocks or that you know go sideways or where we part from each other, sometimes based upon how all parties allow God to work in their hearts, sometimes those can be back together and healed by the Lord himself. Because the Lord is all about reconciliation. Amen? He's all about bringing things back together that are broken. And that's true in relationships too. And so, Paul here has this realistic expect, expecting about the things that he is facing even at the very end of his life. Then you'll notice in verse 13, we see constant learning. Because he says, when you come, bring with you the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, and then also bring the scrolls and especially the parchments. I personally believe he's talking about copies of the Word of God. Now think about it. Here's a man who wrote more than half of the New Testament. Here's a man who experienced things with God unlike maybe what any other human being ever experienced. Remember, he was the guy that was caught up to the third heaven and says, I saw things that I can't even utter. It was so amazing. I mean, the experiences, and yet, he never stopped, even at the end of his life, wanting to learn and grow. He is a great example of us that the fuel for our Christian life is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them or set them apart, Father, with your truth. Your word is truth. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Paul never wanted to stop growing. Bring the scrolls, bring the parchments, bring the books. I need to keep growing. I need to keep learning. I need to keep expanding my understanding of this infinite God that I love so much and that I serve. I never want to stop. We should always have that attitude. We never want to get complacent because here's the deal. The Bible teaches us we never plateau off as a follower of Jesus Christ. We are either progressing or we are regressing. If we're not growing, then we're going backwards. We do not ever stay the same. That's why it's so important that we all keep pressing forward. Because if we're not pressing forward, we're sliding backwards. 
And Paul, even at the very end of his life, with all that he had done, said, bring the books. Bring the books. Because I've got more to learn. Now, if Paul felt that way, how much more should you and I feel that way? And it's a great challenge to us. That even as we cross the finish line, as I like to say, that we're dying with our boots on. That we're not sliding for home and just, you know, know that we continue to, to expand our mind and stimulate our intellect and, and, and to seek to understand God more and more and more. And isn't, again, that what we're trying to do here at the Oasis? where we're trying to complement the Word and worship, where we're driving people to the Word so that the more we understand and know about God, the more we want to worship Him and live for Him. And the more we want to live and worship Him, it drives us obviously then back to the Word. And they just keep working together. That was Paul. That was Paul. I love it. Bring the books. Bring the scrolls. And bring the the parchments. I think to apply this to our life, what could we be doing right now to make sure that we are in a, a learning curve spiritually? What are we doing to be you know, challenged, to grow, to learn, to expand our knowledge of God? We should always have some kind of intentionality and plan to what we are doing and, and have some kind of goal in mind so that we can stick to it. Constant learning. By the way, hopefully you all be excited about this. This coming year, we're going to be in the Old Testament a little bit more, especially on Wednesday nights, and we've probably ever been since I started the church. We're going to do a series in Habakkuk. We're going to do a series in Psalms. Uh, on Sunday morning, I'm going to do a 12-week series in the book of Job. So, some different stuff. But God is wanting to get me in some different places too. And I'm learning and continuing to learn so that I can share what God is teaching me. Constant learning. Then, I love this. Verse 16. Jesus leaning is what I call this point. He said, at my first offense, no one appeared in my support. Instead, they all deserted me. Paul dealt with a lot of desertion in his life, didn't he? He looked around and there weren't a lot of people sometimes humanly supporting him. But notice what Paul says at the end of verse 16. May they not be held accountable for it. Hmm, who's that sound like? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, and some other follower of Jesus said something very similar when he was being stoned to death. Stephen, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. Because you see, when you and I become faithful followers of Jesus, guess what starts to happen? The life of Jesus, the attitudes of Jesus, all of that begin to become part of us. And we begin to act and look and sound just like Jesus. We begin to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And you see that even here with Paul. God, forgive him for that. That, I don't hold that against him. But I love this. I love verse 17. And if there's a few words tonight that I would like you to keep close to you, that that I would like you to just sort of make sure that you remind yourself of in the days ahead, 
It's these next few words. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. I was leaning on Jesus. Because, first of all, there was no one else to lean on. I had no one else but Jesus at that point. And here's the deal. Sometimes in our life, sometimes in our life, God will pull out all the other people around us to where it's just me and Him. And why does He do that every once in a while? Because He wants us all to discover that Jesus is all I need. That's why. That's why. I don't need all these other... I just need Jesus. I just need to lean on Him. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Paul's basically saying... I discovered in that moment, in my defense, when I looked around and no one else was around me but Jesus, that Jesus was enough. Jesus is our all-sufficient Savior. He is enough. So I want you to really get practical with this. Because I do. Do you realize that, like tonight, I'm not up here teaching God's Word by myself. I know that the Lord is standing with me. He's here with me. That's why I'm able to do anything for Him. Because He's standing with me. When Nicole's up here leading us in worship, she knows, guess what? The Lord is standing there with her. When any of us are serving or ministering or doing anything for the Lord or anything He's asking us to do, we can count on Him standing right there with us. I want you to remember that. Even tomorrow when you wake up and you begin your day and you go through your day, I want you to know the truth of these words. You need to just lean on Jesus. And maybe God will allow other people to come in to encourage you and support you in some way throughout the day. And maybe it'll just be Jesus. But if it's just Jesus, you and I will discover He's enough. He's enough. And He will stand with me And then Paul says, he not only just stands with us, he will strengthen us. He will literally pour his power into our lives. And then Paul goes on to say, so that through me, the message would be fully proclaimed for all the Gentiles to hear. In other words, God stood with me and strengthened me so that I could carry out my responsibilities before him. Whatever responsibilities God has given you, whatever calling God has placed in your life, God will strengthen. Stand with you, and God will strengthen you. And He will never leave you nor forsake you. And even if there's no other one around you, He's enough. He was enough when those three friends of Daniel were thrown into the fire. Wasn't He with them in the fire? Yes, He was. When when David stood before this giant Goliath, the Lord was with him and was strengthening him. To face the giant. The Lord is always with His people. We just need to lean on Him. And and Jesus is not just the one who stands there and strengthens. Notice He's the one who saves and delivers. Because Paul said, And so I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Now some believe that this was like a literal lion, physical animal lion that maybe Paul was delivered from. I personally think that this is a reference to Nero, the emperor of Rome. 
Either way, whether you want to take it as a, an animal or the emperor of Rome, either way, Paul says, Jesus saved me. He delivered me. And he's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our savior. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, what Paul's not saying is nothing bad's going to happen to me because obviously we know that's not the case. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that God will deliver me not from, but really the better translation is through everything that people do to me. And that he will make sure that I get to his kingdom. In a sense, what Paul was saying was expressing the confidence he expressed other places, like Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, God will never give up on us. God is always going to be there to make sure that the work that he started is absolutely completed. He will get me to that place. He'll see to it. He's my security. I can trust him. And Paul was right there getting ready to cross the finish line and knew that. And then Paul just breaks out and prays here at the end of verse 18. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's like Paul just couldn't contain himself. God has been so good to me. He has stood with me through everything. Yeah, I've been through a lot. And we talked about all the trials and tribulations and suffering and everything that Paul went through. And yet he is testifying even at the very end of his life as he gets ready to cross the finish line. God stood with me. The Lord stood with me. Adonai, the master of the universe. And he strengthened me. And he saved me over and over and over again. Because he is going to make sure that I get to his heavenly kingdom. I'm in his hands always. And you are too. And you are too. Just lean on Jesus. So realistic expecting, constant learning, Jesus leaning. Verse 19. People appreciating. Almost every letter that Paul wrote, somewhere towards the end of the letter, he has a list of people. And he names them by name. He didn't just say, oh, that's so-and-so. He knew their names. Why? Because they were important to him. He had a relationship with them. Notice, greetings to Prisca. She's also called Priscilla and Aquila and the family of Onesphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth. Trophimus I left at Miletus, ill. Make every effort to come before winter. Greetings to you from Eubulus, Pudens, Linus. Don't know whether he had a blanket or not. Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. Folks, God did not make us to go it alone. We need one another. We need one another. And Paul fully appreciated that. He appreciated the people in his life. We need to make sure that as we go through life, and especially as we cross the finish line, that we didn't get to that place by ourselves. We got there because of the help and support and the prayers 
and the friendships and so much of other people. And I am so blessed to have you all in my life. And I can say that I'm not in the place that I am because of me. I'm in this place because of your help, your support, your prayers, your encouragement, the things that you do. And I appreciate you all so very, very much. And I want you to know that before I die. (laughs) I have done so many funerals and memorial services in my life. And one of the things that I have learned, I guess you would say the hard way, by dealing with others, is being at funeral services and memorial services so much, and the person died... And there's so many people that come to pay their respects and, and they'll say things like, oh, I wish I would have told that person before they died how much they meant to me. I wish I would have verbalized to them what they mean to me. Now it's too late because they're gone. And I hope I don't fall into that trap. I hope that you all know that even if I were to drop dead tonight or die in a car accident on the way home or something. I love you guys. And I appreciate you. And I am the man that I am and the pastor that I am because of you and your investment in this church and in my life. And I appreciate that so very much. Paul was a people-appreciating person. He always acknowledged and recognized others And it wasn't just a one-man show for Paul. And if it wasn't a one-man show for Paul, then it shouldn't be a one-man show or one-woman show for any of us. We're going to get to where we're going to get to because we all come together and pull together and we do this together. That's what we've been able to accomplish in seven years of the history of this church and that's what's going to continue to carry us. That we continue to lean on Jesus and realize that if there was nobody else, He would be enough, but that He's going to bring other people into our lives because He created us that way. I mean, even God said before the fall, it is not good that man be alone. Folks, that has nothing to do with marriage and just talking about spouses. That has everything to talk about how He created us as human beings even before the fall. He said, I'm not going to create human beings to not be dependent on each other and not need each other. How much more so than when sin entered in? And then finally, no better way to close than this. I love this. The Lord be with your spirit, Timothy. May you sense the presence of God in your spirit. You need to sense that, Timothy. And here's the way you and I do that. Here's the way we sense the Lord's presence in our spirit. By being a grace-dependent follower of Jesus. When he says, grace be with you. The supernatural enablement of God. Relying and depending on the grace of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what Paul said. That was his testimony. I am who I am. I am what I am by His grace. 
And God's grace, Paul said and testified, is sufficient. And even God Himself said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I will give you my grace. I will dispense my grace. I will pour out my grace. And when you need my grace, you can ask me for it. Isn't that what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.16? Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Anytime you and I need grace or think we need grace, we can go and we can get it. What an amazing God. Always there to help. Always there to support. Always there to pour out His grace. So often, we go through life and days in our life without depending on His grace. And can I tell you, as one who's done that, you you go a couple hours as a follower of God without depending on His grace, and you start to slide pretty quickly. My attitude can go south real quickly when I'm not depending on God's grace. But when I'm depending on God's grace, it's supernatural. It's like I'm a different person. Even people may sometimes who know me back, like, look at me, Jeff, are you, you okay? Yeah, I, I can't tell you where this joy and peace and all that's coming from. Well, I know where it's coming from. But it's certainly not coming from within me. That's what grace does. It, it just like takes us so beyond ourselves, And that's what God wants to teach us. He wants to teach us to be, like Paul, a grace-dependent follower of Jesus. Grace be with you. Almost every letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he started out with the greeting on grace, and he ended with some kind of mention of grace at the end. It was like for Paul, these were the bookends. Grace at the beginning, and grace at the end, and grace all the way through. That was the way Paul lived. So I hope tonight, as we looked at these last words of Paul. As we saw a testimony of a man who was getting ready to cross the finish line of life, that we can be encouraged. Here was a man who had realistic expecting, constant learning, Jesus leaning, people appreciating, and grace depending in his life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for standing with us, for strengthening us, for giving us your grace, God, so that no matter what is happening, no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial or tribulation, what obstacle, what opposition, what desertion that we may face, God, we, we acknowledge you're enough. You and your grace and everything, God, is so sufficient. Help us just to realize how much we need you every hour, every moment, God, we need you. Help us to live leaning upon Jesus and depending on your grace. Help us, God, to appreciate the precious people that you brought into our life that are so dear to us. Help us to never stop growing and learning. And help us to face life with realistic, biblical expectations. To your glory, God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you'll come back next week as we start a new series in the book of Titus.